0: I call this message, Put God's Faith to Work for You. Now, you know, in my book here that you receive, when you come as a first-time visitor to our church, and many of you have read this book and commented on this book, The Faith That Works. I talk about the difference between mental believing, when you're just trying to psychologically stir yourself into believing something, Versus the real faith, which is the faith of the Son of God. He says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I also talk in this book about how faith only works by love. So you could share all kinds of principles of faith, but faith, faith works by love. And so I always say, if I had one thing to tell a person, if I had one thing to tell you, it would not be get more faith. The one thing I would tell you meditate on the depth and the width and the height and the length of the love of Christ. Because if that was settled, how much God loves you through Jesus Christ, then faith grows out of that. And so, and then I also talk in this book about that you have faith. I hear people say, I don't have faith. Well, I said, you're mistaken. AND THEY SAID, WELL, I KNOW BEST MYSELF, DON'T I? WELL, NOT ACCORDING TO WHAT what THE HOLY Scriptures TELLS US. IT SAYS SIMON PETER SAYS, THE ONE WHO WALKED ON THE WATER, THE ONE WHO HAD SO MUCH FAITH THAT WHEN HIS SHADOW FELL ON THE SICK, uh, THEY they WERE HEALED. THAT ONE, HE SAID, THAT YOU HAVE RECEIVED THE SAME PRECIOUS FAITH AS I HAVE THROUGH THE RIGHTEOUSNESS OF JESUS CHRIST. AND SO WHEN YOU RECEIVED JESUS CHRIST AND RECEIVED HIS RIGHTEOUSNESS, YOU WERE SAVED, YOU RECEIVED NEW LIFE IN CHRIST, YOU RECEIVED FAITH. BUT MAYBE YOU'VE BEEN TOLD YOUR WHOLE LIFE OR oh, YOU DON'T HAVE A LOT OF FAITH AND SO YOU KIND OF CHOOSE TO, to, to be, LET YOUR MIND BE DARKENED BY THAT THOUGHT. BUT THE TRUTH IS, YOU HAVE FAITH. MAYBE YOU HAVEN'T USED YOUR FAITH MUSCLE VERY, well, very MUCH, BUT YOU HAVE FAITH. AND SO TODAY, I'M NOT GOING TO COVER THOSE AREAS, I'm talking about how God's faith works and what it looks like. So my key verse is a verse that has been very helpful to me. I tend to preach messages and teachings that are helpful to me because I figure if it helps me, it might help you too. Is that all right? I figure if it works for me, it might work for you. So here it is, Galatians, uh, Romans 4.17. God gives life to the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. So there's two simple statements. God gives life to the dead. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he be dead, yet shall he live. Uh, Jesus said, I'm he who was dead, but I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys to death and of hell and I will never die again. Jesus is life. Everything will be put under the feet of Jesus the Christ and he will be all in all and because he lives, we shall live also. When Jesus went to the grave, he took you. You and I, dead in sins and trespasses, he took us with him into the grave, and he rose out of the grave, giving us his name. That's why we call on the name of Jesus the Christ. Let me read you one other scripture here, Hebrews seven twenty-three. Many priests we're prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost, to save completely those who come to God through him. Sins, he always lives. Now, we, we like to talk about the cross, and that's very important, but I like to give at least equal time to the resurrection. Jesus causes dead things to live. Now this is a practical prophetic word for some of you here in the auditorium or watching me through whatever platform. Maybe something is dead in your life. Maybe there's a dream you had and you've given up on it. It's gone wayside. Maybe you had a vision, a hope inside, and that hope is dead. I have word for you. God brings dead things to life. Maybe... There's something in your body that's dead. You know, your body could be functioning, but maybe your kidney is dead. Maybe your eye is dead. Maybe your ear is dead. Maybe there's some organ that doesn't function right. This is the message we give people around the world. Maybe maybe there's some part of you that is not functioning, you could call that part dead, even though you are still breathing and living and functioning in other areas. And then I say to people, Jesus said, my word is life. So when I preach these eternal truths of Christ, life is coming out of my mouth. And I wanna say to you, listening to me right today, that if there is deadness in your body, God gives life to the dead. God makes the dead live again. Oh, this is wonderful. And then, of course, there's the eternal understanding of that. Paul says if, if there was no resurrection of those who are dead, what's the point at a funeral to say, oh, we'll see you again. I know we'll meet again. If Jesus Christ isn't risen, we are the most hopeless of all people. Paul says, why do you think I'm risking my life? He says, I'm willing to risk my life. You think I'm stupid? 1 Corinthians 15 paraphrased. You think I lost my, my mind? Why do you think I'm willing to risk my life? Because he lives. And because he lives, I have hope. I shall live also. Oh, I tell you, there's freedom from the fear of death. You belong to the Christ. But then it said also here, God calls things that be not as though they were. This is where people get into trouble. You see, God's wisdom appears foolish to our thinking. And, and the Bible does talk about that, that the wisdom of man is foolishness to God, etc., etc., and vice versa. Because when God speaks, he sees everything accomplished, done. And this is not talking about a positive mental attitude. I'm talking about faith by which God sees things already accomplished. And we endeavor to teach that, and and I I practice it. We believe something, and then we speak it. Now, some people have criticized that. And, And in fact, I could be critical of some forms that that has taken. They call it blab it and grab it. They say, oh, you just say something, blab it out, and then you you think you have it. Well, the key verse to understand this, I submit, is 2 Corinthians 4.13, where it says, we have the same spirit of faith. According to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore speak. Did you get that? They didn't get it on the PowerPoint. I better read it to you again. We have the same spirit of faith. Say it. We have the same spirit of faith. According to it, as it is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. See, what some people did, they turned that upside down and said, I think I'm just going to speak till I believe it. So they begin to speak. They begin to speak all kinds of things and hoping that by the power of mind over matter, somehow, if they hear themselves speaking long enough, they will end up believing it. And that kind of leads to ridicule sometimes, but the biblical pattern is you believe and therefore you speak. And in this book, again, to refer to it, I talk about how faith comes from God himself. Faith comes from meditating on how much God loves you and what God has done for you through Christ, and faith fills your heart, your thinking, and then inevitably you begin to speak. So I say, I believe, therefore I speak. Now, if you travel with me around the world, you would hear me say time and again, I would say, if you are lame, rise up and walk. I say, in the name of Jesus, blind eyes open. That's just my modus operandi. Not once in a while, I do it all the time. But I don't do it thinking that my words will cause it to happen. I do it because on the inside, I have a tremendous confidence that has come from the faith of God. So I'm not trying using my words to manipulate my environment, but inside of me, I believe, and therefore I speak. Oh, I believe. See, the, the context here in Romans 4, 17 is about Abraham. And you know, his name was Abram, which means exalted Father. He didn't have any kids. It's a little bit embarrassing to be called exalted father and have no kids. Come on. So he's kind of crying out to God. And then God says to him, well, I'm going to change your name. You think that was embarrassing, exalted father. I'm going to call you Abraham. And Abraham means father of multitudes. Lord, I was already embarrassed at Abram having no kids. Now, Abraham is embarrassment on steroids w- what is God doing he is calling the things that be not in Abraham's life as though they were and if you're a person who tends to just be, I say well, what's God saying that for you tend not be critical or negative oh, what's he saying that for you know God should tell it like it is you childless old man you your body is pretty well dead no that's not how God operates God calls things that be not as though they were. Look at this, Romans 4, 18, the next verse. It says, concerning Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. I guess when you're 100 years old, your body supposed to be dead. I don't know. And the deadness of sarah's womb so she's pretty well near death he did not waver at the promise of god through unbelief but was strengthened in faith giving glory to god being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform now i want you to look at this word he considered not everybody say consider now you look at that word It means when you consider something, you are pondering something. You're giving attention to it. In other words, Abraham knew he was 100 years old. He had awareness. It's one thing to have awareness, another thing to give consideration. That's why I like the song we sang today, shame doesn't live here anymore. Condemnation doesn't live here anymore. Fear doesn't live here anymore. That doesn't mean that a thought of fear could never come. That doesn't mean that a thought of shame and condemnation could never come to you. We're not saying that, but we don't consider it. We don't let it live here. It might come like a bird that flies over our head, but we don't build a nest for shame and fear and condemnation so we can sing, it does not live here anymore. He considered not. He was aware of it. He took one look at Sarah and he said, you're pretty well near dead too. I mean, it was not a pretty sight. But he didn't meditate on it. And he didn't waver at the promise. He said, I'm not going to look at that. I'm going to look at who God is. And I'm going to look at what God has promised. And in our case today, Not so much as what God has promised. We make far too much about God's promises. I don't look much to God's promises. I look to God's provision. People keep talking about looking to the promises. Don't you know the promises were fulfilled in Jesus Christ? So I'm not holding. Don't look at me so stunned. You should know better than that. I'm not looking for promises to be fulfilled. I see that Jesus the Christ, in him, every promise has its yes and amen. It has been fulfilled, and all of God's promises are in Jesus Christ. So I look at the provision that God has has made, and sometimes something happens. For example... It says in psalm 27 verse 1 the lord is the strength of my life that's a powerful verse to me i sometimes think of that verse and i say the lord is the strength of my head come on everybody say it the lord is the strength of my head he is the strength of my chest, my breathing organs. He's the che- strength of my kidney and liver. And he's the strength of my abdominal area. He's the strength from my head to my feet. Are you with me? He's the strength, my strength mentally, emotionally, physically. Does that mean that sometimes something could happen or I could feel something that contradicts that? Of course. Just like Abraham was aware of his age and Sarah's age and all that, but he didn't go there meditating, considering it, but he held on to what God had promised. Maybe you have a temptation to feel rejected, feel set aside. We'll go to Ephesians 1, 6 where it says that God has made you accepted in Jesus Christ. Does that mean that a thought of rejection could never come to you? It can come, but you don't consider it. You don't waver at what God said because you feel something, but you hold on to what God said. It is true about you. You know, my God shall supply all our needs. I I, I practice this in business. I keep telling you, God is my helper in finance. Don't look at me so mad at me or jealous at me. If he's not your provider, well, you can join me then. We'll do it together. Uh, I I just thank God I can do finance with God. I remember we were selling a building. In fact, Megan uh, was involved. She was running the business of World Impact Ministries at that time, and we were walking down the streets of the city. We had all kinds of file folders and. We were doing this deal, then it was a bad deal. Have you ever been in a bad deal? But well, we didn't know any other deal to do. We only had a bad deal. That was our only option. Sometimes it's not because you were so foolish, but we just had a bad business deal. And we knew the other side had us. That They were going to beat us. They were going to, they were going to do the good deal, and we are going to do the bad deal. And on top of it, we were doing it on behalf of the ministry. I still remember I was walking there and Nathan, but but it was mostly Megan. She's carrying all these file folders. And we're walking and saying, well, you know, we need God to help us. And you know what? God did help us. In the last moment when we had no chance, we couldn't get out of the bad deal, God delivered us. And we got a much better deal and lots more money. Come on. What do I say? Oh. Oh, Peter, you're so smart. No, no, no. I had already signed for the bad deal. My signature was on the line. That's why I couldn't get out of it. God delivered me. Yeah. Hallelujah. And, and it, I don't take any credit. I just say in our heart, many times we said, God, we're holding on to you. You help us. You have a better way. You can deliver us out of this. And he did. I could tell you story after story. So, so there's all kinds of things that come to us that happen to us that could make us consider something negative. But Abraham, he was aware of the negative, but he didn't dwell there. Shame does not live here anymore. Come on, say that. Fear does not live here anymore. Condemnation doesn't live here. God calls things that be not as though they were. Now, look, for example, at the story in, in, in Jericho, in Joshua. Joshua 6:2. God says, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. Now, I'm getting a little bit hot here. If you notice, there's a fan there that was supposed to be turned on and put right on my face. People on Facebook, I have things set up for me here. You see that fan there? It was supposed to be plugged in, blowing in my face, so I wouldn't be perspiring in front of you. Isn't that nice? that I want to look pretty in the face without things, but people forgot to turn it on, so I have to now remind them. Everybody's unaware. Can I just wipe my face now? Can we give the Lord a big clap or do something? All right. Nobody will remember that. Let's get it over here. You see, isn't it nice that I plan these things? I know I have a tendency to get overheated. At least I'm glad to be, I'd rather be overheated than underheated, are you with me? So I'm just giving away all the company secrets here. Look at them here now, they're working on my fan. Do you see this on Facebook here? Let's see this, we have just revealing some of my secret behind the scenes things, but nobody remembered to turn it on. That's just like some people are in their Christian life. You have all this power, you have all this wind that could blow, and, and t- but, but nobody turns it on. I'm here to turn, turn, the, turn the faith on, you got it. And we got this brother helping me now because you see, there's a consideration. Once that fan is blowing, whatever notes I had could blow away. So there are many things to consider. Are you with me here? I'm giving away the company secrets. Okay, now I shall be cool. Ooh, I feel good. What is that song? Keep the switch of faith turned on. See, that's the same thing. The fan was there all along. It just didn't cool me. But now I, I'm getting spiritual revelation out of this. Even Tyna didn't know where I was going to go with this. She's impressed. He's making it up as he goes here. Well, it, 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 do you see that? It was there all along. It just wasn't turned on. That's what I'm saying. You have. Now people even jumping up out of their seats, to get so excited. Thank you for forgetting to turn the fan on because it's really helping me to get this message across. You have faith. Come on, turn to your neighbor and says, you have faith. You have it, but, but we don't use it. It's like a servant that you hired, but you don't use that servant. So we say, turn that switch of faith on. Now we're here here. I was starting to talk about Brother Joshua, but he didn't have a fan. But anyhow, (laughs) Joshua 6, 2, God says, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. And Joshua got so excited, in verse 16, he said, Joshua said, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now, in the natural, you could very well say, well, Joshua, you haven't got any of the city.'" I think God is just talking because look at it. The city is just as fortified as before. When God speaks, it is done. Here's another case. Elisha says to his fearful servant in 2 Kings 6.16, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, when you looked at the situation, it looked like it was just... Elisha and his servant, and there was a big army coming against him. So that you could have said to Elisha, oh, you're just one of those blabbing and grabbits. You just say things. You think that you're going to have mind over matter? No, this is how faith works. And we need to know the difference between the faith of God and mind over matter. I mean, every time Jesus said, rise up and walk to a person who was an invalid, It is implied in that statement that the person couldn't rise up and walk. So Jesus is saying, do something that obviously you can't do. But I'm saying you can. So he's calling things that be not as though they were. Jesus said to the leper, go show yourself to the priest. The leper could have said, I can't. I'm not allowed. I have leprosy. Can't you see the scabs on my skin? Jesus is calling things that be not as though they were. So, I want you to understand, we are not practicing mind over matter. We don't want people to mindlessly go and just speak this and speak that and speak the other thing. But we are talking about this, unashamedly we say, there is a faith of God. That comes on the inside, from communion with the Lord Jesus Christ, meditating in how much God loves you, and that faith causes you to speak. So maybe you have some be-nots in your life. Anybody got any be-nots? You say, "Maybe joy, be not. Peace, be not." Maybe you say, "Health, be not. I've had bad diagnoses, whatever. Be not in your life. God calls to things that be not as though they were. Uh, just to give you more here. In, in John 17, Jesus is practicing this. John 17, 11, Jesus says, now I'm no longer in the world. What? Jesus is standing there. Just outside Jerusalem and saying, I'm no longer in the world. You say, oh, Jesus, you're such a blabber and grabber. You're obviously right here in the world. We can see you right now. He says, I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. Holy Father, keep through your name, and a- a- keep these through your name. And then it says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Jesus, what are you talking about while you were with us? You're still standing right there. You see how easy it would be to accuse Jesus? But what is Jesus doing? Jesus is demonstrating faith. As far as Jesus is concerned, even though he had not yet been nailed to the cross, he had not yet been risen, it's already done. It's finished. It's done, even though he had some harrowing days to go through of torture and pain, it was done. And you see, you and I, we have a gift of faith. You have it. Don't let anybody tell you you don't have it, my friend. You have it. Let me give you another example. Remember Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, whose 12-year-old daughter died. It says in Mark 5:39, when Jesus arrived there at the synagogue at Jairus' house, He said, verse 39, why are you making this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. Ha, ha, ha. Jesus. What do you you mean? She's sleeping. She's dead. What is Jesus doing? He is speaking the language of faith. And, 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 And again, I said, if you were to go with me around the world when I'm I, I often practice this every day. I say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. I am not playing with mind over matter. I'm not saying it because it worked the night before. I'm saying it based on this revelation. I, I, I meditate. If you travel with me, uh, you, you'd hear me sing. You know, I can't sing very good. I apologize, but I like singing. So, 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 blame me for it. I sing songs like. Learning to lean, I'm learning to lean, learning to lean on Jesus, finding more power than I've ever known. I'm learning. You see, why am I doing that? Because as I'm singing that, I'm pondering how I'm intertwined with Christ, how Christ is in me, and I'm in Christ. And the more I think about that, I feel like oh, I am big on the inside. I may be six, three and a half physically, but I'm 10 feet tall. I'm ready because, see, I'm, it's not just words, it's an inner conviction. So they laughed at Jesus. They said, ha, 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 you know, look, look at Jesus. Was he talking like that before? Same, same in the story of Martha and Lazarus and Mary. You remember Lazarus had died? And then Jesus said in John 10, our friend Lazarus sleeps that I may go and wake him up. His disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Now, for those who, who love the walk of faith and maybe practice walking in faith, this is beautiful news. But for others who maybe take a critical attitude, yeah, you just, you just think you say something, it's going to happen. You think you're just speaking and it's going to happen. No, we don't think that. We don't think that. But we do think that there is a language of faith that comes from Christ who lives in you. And it may sound foolish. It may sound illogical to someone saying, what's he trying to do? What, what's he trying to pull over the people's uh, face? What, he, over their eyes so they can't see what's going on. Obviously, this, this, this Lazarus is dead. We know that. But that's the language of faith. He's saying he sleeps. And you know, I notice. Uh, obviously the disciples learned from Jesus because something happened to Paul the apostle. It says in Acts 20, He was preaching in a certain place and in a window sat a young man named Eutychus sinking into a deep sleep. I hate when people fall asleep in my services, but I guess it happened to Paul and please don't do it right now. Especially in a deep sleep, I would just It's not really nice to see that. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. This is very sad when somebody dies in your meeting. You know, very sad. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embraced him and said, don't trouble yourself, for his life is in him. Well, which way is it? It just says he fell down dead. They checked him. They picked him up dead. They picked him up. Everybody said dead. So when Paul comes, he says, falls on top of them and says, oh, there's life in him. He said, Paul. Are you one of those blabbered and grabbits? You just say something positive? No. He's learned from his master. He said, This is the language of faith, and I want to help you today. You have faith. You have Christ in you. Don't do this just mindlessly, but do it out of your meditation of God's love for you. Begin to speak life over your situation. Speak life over your family. Speak life over your business. It says in Proverbs 18, 12, that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And I want to encourage you today. You have Christ. You have this revelation of who he is inside of you. It says in Hebrews ten twenty three, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. It says hold fast, hold fast. It's like a tug of war, you know, you have, you have to hold on. You can't let go of the rope because there's some power pulling on the other end. There is death and negativity pulling in the other end. So you say, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hold on to my hope and my confession of what Jesus Christ has done for me. I'm not going to let go. See, Abraham could have let go. He could say, look at that old mama, Sarah. Look at my body is dead. I let go. But he held on. Faith is coming to you while I'm talking about this. You know, You don't have to wait for a special time to receive healing or some moment when the preacher says, okay, now it's healing time. But you know, faith is coming here right now. Faith is coming in your heart. You say, I have the great healer. I have the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, I'm going to hold on to the rope. I'm going to hold on to my end of the line. Oh, I practice this. Because you know, I'm such a logical person. I keep telling you, and I told the Lord, and I tell people after I talk to the Lord about it, I said, Lord, I am really not good for healing ministry. You picked the wrong guy. People all over the world think I'm in the healing ministry, which I'm not. I'm in the gospel ministry, but healings follow. I, I resent when people call me in the healing ministry, but they do. Stop calling me that. I'm in the gospel ministry, but I have a lot of healings follow. That's the difference. I'm not in the healing ministry. I'm in the Jesus Christ ministry. But when I preach him, uh, you know, miracles follow. But but so people call me that I'm in healing ministry, which I I can't correct it all the time because then all I do is correct it. So you kind of just got to ignore it. But now I'm here with my family so I can kind of tell you what I really think. And and so uh, people people say, oh, you're in the healing ministry. You're in the miracle ministry. You know, I am not well suited for that kind of thing. I am too logical and too intellectual. I am by nature an analyzer. I just analyze everything. I just analyze what's the best way forward, what's the worst for. I I mean, that's just me. I said, Lord, I see some other people who claim to be in healing ministry, which I don't claim to be in, but they claim to be in it. And Lord, they seem a little stupid to me. They seem like they are like zombies. They're like, have a glazed look in their eyes and they look into the ceiling uh, uh, and they think they see angels up there and I can only see the the rafters. I don't see any angels at all, Lord. I I don't think I'm well suited for this. You see, because I'm kind of a logical person. So if I say something, I I want it to be that way. I scrutinize my own words. I I, I edit everything and say, that wasn't the right word. And so I had to learn the language of faith. I had to learn, and that's why I wrote the book, The Faith That Works. I had to learn, okay, contrary to my wisdom, contrary to my logic and how I like to look at everything, there is a language of faith where God, through you, calls things that be not as though they were. How many are ready to work with the Lord? One of the stories I've referred to before that really blesses me, final verse... Because it kind of, I see myself in this. It says about this dear woman in the church, in in Toronto Celebration Church, no, in in Jerusalem, her name was Dorcas. She's one of my favorite people in the New Testament. Everybody go, Dorcas. And it says here, she died. And all the widows stood weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made. Can you imagine? Dorcas. She was baking pies, and she was doing things all the time. We don't want Dorcas to die. So Peter got there, not this Peter, but Simon Peter. He put them all out, and he knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, that's another name for her, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. So I notice here, this is how it kind of works for me. Maybe you are much more spiritual, so you can take a different operation, but this is what works for me. So the first thing that happens, Simon Peter gets in to the room and he notices everybody crying and they're holding up these blankets. Look what Dorcas did. Look, at I'm going to keep this as a treasure for the rest of my life. Dorcas did this for me. And everybody's crying. So Simon Peter is aware. He gets awareness. But he doesn't consider and meditate with all those in the room. He puts them out. Seemed rude, right? He says, please, out of here, out, 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 go, 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 go. Go, 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 go. Oh, what a harsh, supposed man of God. He should be here grieving with the grieving. There's a scripture for that too. He should be here crying with the weepers. And he says, out, 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 out. Then it says, He prayed. And what I like about it is how he prayed because if you pay attention to it, that's good that you left the verse up there. He says, he knelt down and he prayed. So he prayed. Now, he's probably like me. He's a logical person. I don't want to be staring at a dead body, do you? I can't just stand. Dead. No, Paul, Peter here, turned his back on Dorcas's dead body, on the corpse. How do I know he turned his back? Because he says after he prayed, turning to the body. so he must have been turned away from the body. That's how I work the best. People come to me and say, let me tell you what the doctor said. I have a problem in my left knee. Oh, yeah, then there's in the right knee. It's a different thing. Then I have it in my back. And then I have it in my shoulder. And they think the more they tell me so that I intelligently grasp the severity of the disease, the better my prayer will be. And they actually standing there waiting. Did he mention my left knee? Oh, you missed my left knee. Pray for that too. You prayed for the right knee and for the elbow and for the back, but you. So so they actually are gauging my prayer by me remembering. (laughs) And, And really, you ruin it for me. I'm more like Simon Peter. I got to turn away from it all. I got to say I, I don't want to hear what all the doctors said because the more I listen to them, I realize this is hopeless. My logic kicks in. So Peter he turned away and he prayed after he kicked everybody out. And then turning to the body, he said, "Tabitha, rise." And she said, "It's you, Peter. I'm getting up and making coffee." You see how it happened? And and so maybe that'll work for you. It doesn't work for me by just meditating on the problem. I need to be aware of it. That's all I need, awareness. I don't need to consider it and meditate on it. But what I need to do is meditate on the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that's why I sing songs to myself. That's why I pray in the spirit. That's why I worship Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I say, I say like this sometimes before I have a ministry opportunity like I want to describe I said, oh, Lord Jesus, you know, I just got a phone call. The stadium is full of people I thank you, Jesus, that you're with me now. Jesus, you and I need to go to the stadium together. It's not that he's not coming. I'm just reminding him for my sake. Lord Jesus, we are going together now. Let's go, Jesus. I'll just brush my teeth first. Wait here, Jesus. Then we go to the stadium, and then we go together, and I feel so good. I never say, oh, God, come and heal. God, move, do this. I've been in this for too many years. I can't act like that. I said, thank you, Jesus. Now let's go together. And even when I walk down the stairs from my hotel room, I'm thinking, he's walking in me now, and I'm walking in him. And then I feel good. And then I get to the meeting, and I see all the wheelchairs and the blind people, and I'm looking at them. And I think I better not look too long. So I begin to to worship Jesus. And then the more I focus on him, faith comes. And then I speak, get up and walk. I don't know what your situation is, but this works for me. I can't be staring at the problem too long. I got to worship him who is the solution and then turn to the problem and say, get up. Are you with me?